I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Scott Eklund. 247 final rankings for the 2020 recruiting class was released today. Want to go over it with you? Risers, fallers, guys that didn't make it. KJ Costello rumored to be on campus and uh, always seems to be a lot going on. We get these little um, lulls in recruiting and then all of a sudden it heats up again. A lot of walk, uh, several walk-on commits um, over the past few days and um Second signing day, just around the corner. Scott Eklund taking a look at what's going on out there. Definitely some risers and fallers. Let's start off with Sam Adams out of Eastside East Catholic in Sammamish, Washington. Um, we have him projected as a running back. It looks like that's what he's going to play. He was over in the Polynesian Bowl, was not able to participate, went through some shoulder surgery. But talk a little bit about Sam Adams, and uh, he had a pretty significant drop. Yeah, he he dropped a uh, hundred and what is one hundred and thirty three spots. So um, almost fell out of the top two four seven. Wound up at two forty two hundred forty sixth out of two forty seven. So uh, still a four star, still a talented kid. This doesn't diminish, um, you know, his abilities at the next level or anything like that. But what people need to take in in mind is that two four seven when they go through and do their rankings, they're ranking kids based on their potential to be NFL players. And this doesn't mean that Sam Adams can't be a really good NFL player eventually at some point. But I think what they just see is they see a guy who is most everybody thought was going to be better as a defensive guy, but he wants to play offense and that's what he's being recruited to play. And so when you look at that, he's going to end up at running back do they really think that he's going to be able to maximize his talent at the running back spot? He's about six feet tall. He's what? 195, 200 pounds, somewhere in that range. I don't know it off the top of my head, uh, his height and weight. And, um, you know, and, and I think he could easily get up in the 215, 220 range and be a good receiver out of the backfield, be a pretty good downhill runner for the Huskies. But, you know, he, he didn't wow people at camps and he wasn't super productive, on a state championship team, um, share duty, car- uh, ball carrying duties in the backfield with Gio Ursino, who's another really good tailback uh, over there. And, um, you know, play, played both ways, but uh, struggled with some shoulder yep. stuff. So I just think that's that's why we saw the drop that we saw. And when you take a look at his film, I th- don't think he popped like you would like to see, but I'm pretty sure that most of that is going to be because he was playing hurt. So, um, yeah, yeah, he, he had, I think some of it's that. Yeah, yeah, he had the surgery. Um, he didn't participate in the Polynesian Bowl, so uh, hopefully he's fully recovered by the time he gets to Washington. And I'm guessing with the uh, off-season surgery, he's going to be a prime candidate for a red shirt uh, coming up uh, this following year. So, uh, uh, even though he dropped, I, I think the future is still bright for Sam Adams, Scott. Yeah, I do too. I, I think he's got all the ability to to come in and be a really good player. Maybe not that guy who can carry the rock 20, 25 times per game. He's coming into this class with another really good tailback who's very similar to him in uh, JV on Sunday who put up huge numbers as the main ball carrier on a team that went to the state championship game in Texas. Now, granted, it was um, a 4A team, which would be a the equivalent of like a 2A team up here. But uh, still, really good running back. And so those guys are going to battle it out. Plus, he's got a couple other guys. So 
is his immediate impact going to be felt uh, right away? I don't think so. I think you're you're looking at a guy whose impact will be felt two or three years from now. Jacoby Covington, he's a cornerback out of Saloro High School, and a lot of people excited about Jacoby Covington. I know the coaches are, but took a little bit of a drop. And sometimes, Scott, you know, maybe we just need to clarify, sometimes guys aren't really dropping. Guys are jumping ahead of them. Yeah, and, you know, what I always say to people is when they say, well, that's ridiculous, he should be ranked here. And I said, okay, so why would you drop the other player? Have you seen him play in person? And see, you know, seeing all the stuff. I mean, it's just it's so hard to judge because um, productivity can look great for one guy and look so so for another guy. But the competition was really good for the guy that um, looked so so. And it was kind of a lower level competition for the guy who put up huge numbers. So um, a lot of it, there's a lot of different things that go into the evaluation process and um, that some of it's productivity, some of it's their athleticism, some of it's their upside, some of it's how they perform, some of it's off the field stuff. It's all these different things that they throw together and come up with a ranking. And so uh, Jacoby Covington, you know, he's, uh, what is he, 6'1", 200 pounds is what we have him listed at. And he's a guy that played opposite Keely Ringo, the number one cornerback in the country, who was ranked number seven in the country at Saguaro High School. And um, you know, Covington is a guy that I think a lot of people thought would move to safety. Well, safeties don't get prioritized in the rankings. It's more cornerbacks that get ran- that get prioritized. So um, he's going to project to safety once he gets to the University of Washington. And I think that's why he might have fell, fell just a little bit. It's only 10 spots, number 213 to number 223. Um, but still a huge prize for Washington. They beat Oklahoma and several other big, big time schools for his services. Garen Hatchett, the offensive lineman out of Ferndale, Jake Locker's hometown, Jake Locker's uh, school. And uh, Garen Hatchett had a little bit. Well, he didn't move a lot. He didn't, he move, didn't, it. He didn't move at all. He didn't move at all. Um, tell people about Garen Hatchett a little bit. He just seems like he's been around forever, Scott. Well, yeah, we've been talking about him since he was a freshman in high school up there at at uh, Ferndale. He started as a freshman. He's played every game, I think, of his high school career. I could be um, wrong on that, but I think he's played every game of the last four seasons for uh, Ferndale. And a uh, really talented guy, can pull better than almost anybody I've, I've ever seen, just a natural pulling guard. Uh, he's 6'5", he's 295 pounds, 290 pounds, and uh, can, really has great feet, can get to the second level pretty easily. His biggest struggle is going to be as a pass blocker. He, up at Ferndale, they run that wing tee, and they rarely throw the ball. I, I saw two of his games this year, and I think there were three passes thrown in those games. So, um, you know, he, they just don't throw the ball very much, and, and it's it's tough when you're not not used it's you know you don't have that muscle memory when you're trying to learn how to block against really talented kids and so at camps he really really struggled in pass blocking but and he even admitted that he did and he's he's gotten to work on it he's worked really really hard to get better at it and i think with some patience he's going to be a really good player the problem is the comparison is with henry roberts who came from a wing t who has the same physical size and and athleticism that Garen Hatchett did. So a lot of people weren't thrilled with the kind of career that Henry Roberts had. He was a part-time starter and 
uh, full-time backup at the University of Washington, and and I think they're hoping for more from Garen Hatchett. I think he will get more. I think he's uh, got a little bit more of that nasty side than Henry Roberts did, but a lot of it's going to be on how he picks up the pass protections, and that's going to take a little while. Inside or outside guy? Oh, he's definitely a guard. I don't see him playing tackle. He played guard in high school. You don't see a lot of guys playing guard in high school and then moving out to tackle. It happens, but it doesn't happen very often. So he will be probably a left guard because you usually pull from that side. And I think he's a guy who will end up at left guard at some point. Is a chance he could be a center? I... I, I don't want to say no because I'm sure they'll give him a shot there. I don't see him with that natural ability. I think he's going to be a guy who needs to to play off and be a guard. The one that a lot of people are scratching their head over, uh, Miles Morrell out of Modern Day High School in Santa Ana, California. He dropped 31 spots from 153 to 122, and he just seems to tear everybody up. But uh, what's the deal with Miles Morrell? Uh, he, he actually did the opposite, Kim. He went from 122 to 153. But uh, – um, no, well, that's, just, what I, that's what I said. He dropped. Yeah. From never mind. Anyway, we'll just go <laughs> from that. Anyway. So, um, he, uh, you know, the thing is you watch Miles Morales film. He's nasty. He plays left tackle, uh, for one of the best teams in the entire country, not just the state of California, but the entire country. I think they were ranked number one all season, all the way until that last week of the season when they lost to St. John Bosco. And I think they ended up either number three or number two in the country. So, um, the guy's been dominant basically since he was a sophomore. Uh, struggle with a um, uh, lower leg injury. I think he had a broken tibia and he maybe even had a dislocated ankle. I'm not 100% sure on that. But uh, at the end of his junior year in the playoffs. And um, so he played this season. I don't know if he was quite 100% when he played. I know he when he showed up at the opening in... Uh, in July that he was only about 80% and he really held his own. I know that um, he just loves to compete. That's what this guy likes to do. Now, the reason why he dropped is because he's projected as an inside player, a guy, you know, either guard or center. And he's actually being projected at center for the University of Washington. Well, the problem with that is the NFL draft does not prioritize interior guys usually they focus on tackles and so that's going to hurt him in the in the overall rankings he's still one of the best offensive linemen in the entire country he had offers from every school you could think of in the top 25 we're talking use uh, uh ohio state alabama clemson or maybe clemson was the only one that he didn't have but he had offers from pretty much all of the big time schools auburn tennessee georgia um texas texas a&m oklahoma all those schools offered him but he chose the university of washington partly because of his relationship with scott huff that was a big reason why but he also really loved the built for life for life philosophy and he also um wanted to help washington win a championship and he said he, he thought it would be really cool to be a part of something like that and i think that's why he ended up here Biggest riser is a kid who just had a phenomenal year, and I don't think anybody saw him him having the type of year he did. But uh, out of Corona Del Mar, out of Newport Beach, California, quarterback Ethan Garbers, completely out of the top 24-7, just skyrockets all the way to 151. Yeah, and he was in the low 600, like the high 600s, like 680, 690, something like that. And he climbed all the way to 151. So I'd, I'd say he was the highest riser of Husky signees ends up, like you said, came at 151 in the rankings. Um, you know, there's just not a lot you can't, you know, there's not a lot you 
you that's left to say about him. I mean, the guy threw for over 5,000 yards, 71 touchdowns, and just five interceptions. Uh, led his team to a 16 and 0 record. Uh, they won the CIF D uh, D1 state title. Um, that was the reason why he just took his official visit because they were making their playoff run when Washington would have hosted them for an official visit. So he uh, ended up t- uh, taking his time and, and coming up on his official visit just uh, last weekend. Um, you know, not quite as good an athlete at his, as his brother. His brother can run around a little bit for Cal and everything like that, which Ethan can do. But he's more of that stand in the pocket, get the ball out of your hand, make good decisions, and throw an accurate pass. And he's coming in in the spring, and I'm not saying he's going to win it, especially with us talking about – we're going to talk about the possibility of uh, transfer coming in as a, at, a, at the quarterback spot here. But um, I, I think he's got a chance to at least challenge for the backup spot uh, once he gets here, and, and that'll be pretty interesting. Uh a guy who might be a little bit on the raw side, but player of the year in Vegas, uh, a, lot, a wide receiver out of Bishop Gorman, Rome Udunze. Yeah, yeah. Come, comes out of Bishop Gorman, one of the top, you know, private schools in the country as far as football is concerned. They've been all over the place. They've been in the national spotlight quite a bit. They play on national TV a lot. Um, he put up 54 uh, receptions for uh, 1,222 yards and 15 touchdowns in just 13 games as a senior. They ended up losing to Troy Fautanu's old school, Liberty High School out of Henderson, and uh, they ended up losing to them, I think, in the state semis. So a uh, little weird for them. I think they're just used to running running free all the way to, to a title because the state of Nevada just doesn't have the same kind of talent that Bishop Gorman does. But uh, anyway, he put up big numbers. He's big. He's fast. He's very productive. Like you said, Kim, kind of raw, so he's going to have to learn how to run routes a little bit better and things like that. But pretty much every high school wide receiver has to do that when they when they come into college. So um, Washington, he had a really good from uh, from what I remember, he had a really good uh, week of practice down at the uh, Polynesian Bowl, and um, Washington's really excited to have him and Jalen Millen, who we'll talk about in a second as their two their two big time wide receivers and they got Sawyer Racanelli coming in as well. So really good receiver class for the University of Washington. Nice jump for Romu Dunsey who moved up 53 spots from 187 to 134 and just taking a look at his offers. He had offers from Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Miami, Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oregon, Penn State and Stanford. So um, a lot to like with Rome Udunzi and definitely a guy to keep an eye on. And uh, another guy out of uh, Colorado. They went a little bit outside the area to get the offensive lineman, Roger Rosengarten, who he actually dropped a little bit or had some guys rise above him, if you prefer, from uh, number 89 to 102. Yeah. And, you know, one of the longest players you're going to see um, just got great length um he's almost 69 i think he's or i'm sorry he's almost 68 and uh just long kid he is um i think was 270 i think when chris fetters talked to him um or i'm sorry brandon huffman talked to him at the um all american bowl and uh just really impressive as a player as a kid he and his parents have been up to the university of washington several times during the season for 
um, for uh, unofficial visits. They loved Chris Peterson. They loved Scott Huff. And talking to him, talking to his family, they're all really excited about what Washington can do with Jimmy Lake. They like the philosophy he's installing about being really super aggressive in everything they do, not just recruiting, not just on the field, but attacking the, the classroom, attacking the the practices and doing all that they need to do, attacking volunteer work, all the things that they need to do. The parents really bought into that for Jimmy from Jimmy Lake. So, um, you know, like you said, Kim dropped a little bit, but not, not a terrible drop 89 to one, one Oh two. Um, he's going to be a tackle at the university of Washington, most likely left tackle. And, uh, we'll see if he can push since that left tackle spot is open because Trey Adams is gone now. That thing is going to be wide open, so uh, it'll be interesting to see who ends up pushing for playing time there. Savelle Small is probably the most heralded guy in the class, and uh, Savelle dropped from, uh, where is that? He was number 18 going into the final rankings. He dropped to 58, which is still pretty good ranking. Oh, yeah, still good ranking, just not a five-star anymore. And we've been telling, hopefully this doesn't catch anybody by surprise, because I've been saying for the better part of three months that he was going to drop out of of being a five-star. And um, I think uh, you can't deny Savelle Small's athleticism. The guy is a freak of an athlete. It's almost six foot four, 235, 240 pounds, can run like a deer, Played all over the place in Kennedy's uh, defensive line. Um, played some nose tackle. Played some end. Played played as a stand-up pass rusher. The problem with Savelle is he just needs so much work as far as his uh, technique. He is very raw technique-wise, and he can have an impact, but he's not going to have an impact right away. And I think one of the reasons why you saw him drop a little bit is because. I don't know if a lot of people think that he's going to maximize his potential, not because it's at the University of Washington and, and they're going to fail him. It's not because he's not a hard worker. I just think the the perception of him is so high, it's going to be almost impossible for him to reach these these lofty expectations that some people on Twitter have for him that are just absolutely ridiculous. He's going to be a situational pass rusher here, at least as a freshman and possibly even as a sophomore, as he learns more technique and how to use his hands a little bit better and not just be a speed guy. He's going to need to learn moves. He's going to need to learn the spin move and, and the swim and all these different things that, that are that, you know, defensive ends and, and um, outside linebackers have to do. But as good as Joe Tryon looks, he's six, five with those long arms. Savelle Smalls could be just as good, if not better, than Joe Tryon. He just needs to put in the work. We'll see how it, how it happens. That's why he dropped, though. But they still that at 58, they still see him as a second round draft choice overall. So it isn't like this guy is a failure on the field. They just think there's guys that are more ready to make an impact and and possibly have a higher future. Jalen McMillan, um, probably, you know, one of the top prizes in this recruiting class. And he's out of San Joaquin Memorial down in California, down in uh, Fresno. And he just stayed where he was, number 38. Yeah, yeah, just outside of the the five stars. They only had 32 five stars, and he ended up at 38. So, um, oh, my gosh, this guy just blew me away. I didn't, you know, when you watch his film, you can see the speed, but you don't know how fast the guys are that he's playing against, right? Well, then he goes to the Army, I'm sorry, the uh, Adidas All-American game and catch it t- first offensive play of the game, takes it 75 yards, takes a five yard slant and takes it 75 yards to the house. 
and you know he's playing against fast and very talented kids when you're down at the uh, I'm going to keep I'm going to do that for several years the Adidas All American game. So um, the guy is just all out effort, all out speed, athleticism. He can do it all. He had a few drops in that game. I think sometimes you see that kind of stuff. I don't see that him him having that problem once he gets to the University of Washington. And I'm looking it up here. Um, he had. In, in four years of playing, he was a part-time starter as a freshman and then a full starter as a sophomore, junior, senior. He had 260 receptions, 5,234 yards, and 54 touchdowns. That is a monstrous high school football career, and it's only going to get better once he gets to the University of Washington and get some real – I don't want to say real coaching because I'm sure he has good coaching there. But, man, once he gets to the University of Washington, he should just take off and be one of the – I bet you anything. I will. I will put money on it now. Not a lot of money because I don't have a lot of money. But uh, I think he's only going to be a three-year player at the University of Washington. With the final rankings coming out, um, when you look at the composite rankings, Oregon rated number one in the conference, or um, Washington number two. If you're strictly looking at the 24/7 rankings, Washington is number one. Oregon is number two. And when you take a look at uh, overall rankings in the country, Washington ranked. 15th in the composite and 13th overall, Scott. Yeah, yeah. Solid year for the University of Washington, especially when you consider that they didn't have a great season on the field, especially when you, but a lot of these kids were committed before that. So it wasn't just about winning, but that always helps. And then you had the transition from Chris Peterson to Jimmy Lake. And you don't always see teams being able to, I'm sorry, Kim, hang on a second. I got a frog in my throat. Um, You don't have, uh, you don't see a lot of kids um, stick around. I mean, I should say you don't see a lot of teams t- able to keep every commit that they have when you have a coaching transition. Now, Washington was able to keep those guys intact. They were able to sign 22 high school players and keep Jordan Lolohea, Jordan Lolohea, who returned from his mission after being a 2017 uh, uh, signee. So, you know, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. 20, 2018 signee. So I just think 2017 signee. Anyway, the, they were able to keep that intact. And the fact that they were able to finish number one in the two, four, seven composite is pretty impressive. Oregon had three really good players that they ended up with in the two, four, seven, uh, top two, four, seven, which, which I think all of them were high. No, other than Jalen McMillan, all of them were higher then then their three were higher than the rest of Washington's. But Washington had nine in the top two, four, seven, and Oregon only had three, which actually surprised me when I saw that. I thought Oregon had more in the top two, four, seven. So, um, you know, Washington did really well. I think it's only going to get better with yep. the with the additions of the coaching staff. But also Jimmy Lake loves recruiting, whereas I think Chris Peterson knew he needed to recruit, but it wasn't a passion of his. Big weekend this past weekend. They had a couple of uh, people, a couple of kids that had already signed to play at Washington, a couple of commits, but uh, had a bunch of walk-ons. And what they wind up with? Three commitments from walk-ons over the weekend, Chris? Four. Uh, four. walk-ons? Four? Four. Yeah, four. So they got Josiah Nicolau, the defensive tackle prospect out of Bellarmine Prep, which is in Tacoma. He committed on Sunday. And then yesterday they got three guys in Bradley McGannon, a defensive end prospect out of Yelm High School, and then two kids from Lake Stevens, defensive back Cage, uh, Kaysen Kinchin, and offensive lineman Logan Bruce. Any of those guys jump out at you? Boy, um, 
You know, Bradley McGannon, I think, really kind of stands out to me from the standpoint that he could be a really versatile guy and end up playing end or tackle. Um, and Casey Kinchin, you know, I mean, Washington has had a lot of success bringing in defensive backs as walk-ons and um, being contributors at the very least on special teams. And I think this guy uh, could end up being that. I think I wouldn't be surprised if he wound up earning a uh, scholarship from the University of Washington. A lot of people have tried to compare him to Miles Bryant, and he might be a little like him, but Miles Bryant was much better at this point in his career. So um, I don't want to say he's going to have quite the impact that Miles Bryant did, who played for four years at the University of Washington and was a scholarship guy for three of those four years. But, um, yeah, I, I think he could have a really solid career. And another guy that they had in over the weekend, uh, Nick Sani, who's a tight end out of um, – God, I can't Modesto, remember. Modesto. Modesto. Kind of love his size, 6'6", 245, and uh, small-time offers for him, but uh, Washington seems to like him a lot. Is he the only guy left on the board, Scott? Well, yeah, you still have Jack Geary, who's left on the board, and there might be one or two other guys that uh, – oh, obviously, Tanoa Togiai is another one that the, uh, the defensive lineman out of Rigby. So Jack Geary is a tight end. Um, Nick Sani, Sani is a tight end. And then you have uh, – uh, Tanoa Togiai, who is a defensive lineman. That's kind of your final three, and I think they just want to make sure that uh, they get their the guys that they want to get. Um, Togiai is LDS and plans to take a mission after spending a year at, on campus, so keep an eye on that as well. Even if he does commit at Washington, he probably won't have much of an impact for at least three or four years um, because he's going to take his mission, and he probably won't do very much next year. So, um you know, that's kind of it right now. And and then we're fully into 2021. We're already kind of there anyway, but uh, we're fully into the 2021 cycle once uh, February 5th wraps up. Rumors out there that uh, the quarterback from Stanford, who is in the transfer portal and KJ Costello is visiting Washington today. Um, we haven't done much with it because honestly, I haven't been able to confirm it. So just a lot of rumors out there. I know Mike Vorrell from the Times says he confirmed it, but uh, we haven't been able to do it my uh, our, on our own. Thoughts on that, Scott? Thoughts on it? I you know I guess my my concern is if you're going to lose a quarterback because you bring in a transfer, um, then is it really worth it? Because that the it let let's just say that you bring in KJ Costello and Jacob Sermon decides I'm, I don't need this. I I've, I've been in this system now for almost three years and, and I'm, you know, I, they're bringing in a guy to replace me and then Sam Heward's coming in the following year. So I'm not gonna, I'm not going to get really a chance to, to win this thing. So I'm going to go, I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm just throwing out a, for instance, well, do you take, KJ Costello, who was, I, I know his numbers look pretty good, but he was average. Kim, did you see him as a special player well, when I, you've I, watched him play? I think there's some scouts out there who actually had him in the first round as a first round talent. And sometimes when you're taking a look at a quarterback and the system he's in, is that what he is? I mean, is that truly what he is? If you took a KJ Costello and put him in the Washington offense, how much different would it be? Because rumor is also he's leaving here to go down to Mississippi State and visit Mike Leach. How much different would he look, you know, playing for Mike Leach? So yeah. I think some of it has to do with the system and the coaching and, you know, what they're trying to do. But, you know, there's some NFL scouts out there who thought he was a first round talent. So well, Washington is supposedly going to more of a run oriented offense, more of a pro style attack. And 
I don't know. I, I just I don't see him being the difference maker that Washington needs at that position. I'd much rather them grow with either Dylan Morris or Jacob Sermon and have that depth for next year when Sam Heward comes in because they're probably going to lose someone uh, when Sam Heward comes in. So um, I don't know. I, not my not ideal for me, but obviously you got to just trust that the coaches know what they're doing and they know what they need. So um, it's the weakest link on Washington's team right now. I, I think I think that's pretty easy to say. Well, I think the biggest thing, Scott, and, you know, we keep on going over and over, like Marshawn Lynch said, over and over and over and over and over and over. It is incredibly difficult to get a grad transfer into Washington. Incredibly difficult. And I know that there's some people in the athletic department who, you know, went to upper campus and tried to make it a little bit easier to bring in these grad transfers. And that was kind of met with. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the end yeah. of the day, this is still an academic institution and it's one of the top in the country, if not one of the top in the world. And if you're going to, you know, give a special admit to a football player, that means one more person isn't going to be able to get in. So um, the, athletic yeah, the department, academics at UW isn't isn't high on that. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing people don't get is when you take a look at the budget for the athletic department and then you take a look at the budget for the overall school. Athletic department's a drop in the bucket. It really is. It's nothing. I, I It's real visible. But what is it? Five, ten percent of the budget? Not even that, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, it's just small. So at the end of the day, it's still an academic you know, institution. And you let a football player in who doesn't you know, deserve to be there or you're bringing him in just so he can play football. How'd you like to be upper campus and have to deal with that? Yeah. Well, and also, and I don't think KJ Costello is going to have any academic issues from a not going to class standpoint, but don't kid yourself. The quad a green situation definitely soured the academic people on bringing in transfers to the university of Washington. Yep. It's going to make it harder to get transfers in, not easier. Yeah, no. And it's also going to make the uh, basketball and football. Well, the football program hasn't taken any guys that have been academic um, risks or borderline ap- academic guys, but I think you're going to see that tighten up on basketball. Uh, I don't think you're going to see Coach Hopkins take guys in because, like Coach Pete said, it's not fair to bring in guys who can't hackle the academic um, rigors that you will be put under at University of Washington. Now, the football players haven't ha- we haven't had a problem on that, and KJ Costello is definitely not one of those guys. But academics, like it or not, it's Washington. It's not Oregon. Yeah, or ASU or Wazoo or any of these other schools. It's just yeah. not as easy as you guys want to make it out to be. It's just not. And even and the only way to make it easier is to get some special exceptions. And the academic side, like it or not, they are not going to do that. They're just not going to do it at the University of Washington. Anything else to cover, Scott, before we wrap this up? No, no. Uh, February 5th, that signing day, I'll be on I'll be on the boards. We'll have another uh, board, and we're going to recap a lot of the guys that have signed. We're also going to be talking about a lot of 2021 guys here over the next, uh, I'd say, a couple months as they really dig into things. And then we got spring ball, March 30th, man, just crazy. It, it never ends, and it's just one thing that leads right into another. Basketball game on Thursday against Arizona, Saturday night against Arizona State, and uh, it never ends. So for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Scott Eklund. Go dogs. <laughs>